want to approach this is um, these are people in scenarios we want to pray for. So we've got, and it all has to do with like leadership and transition. So at, at the biggest level, and then and maybe we'll stand here. At the biggest level, and we'll work our way local. So <clears throat> at, the big, at the big level, Vineyard USA, which is the national um, uh, movement of churches that we are a part of, is the Omaha Vineyard Church, has uh, every so many years, they have a, a president that, you know, has been serving and he moves out and then we get a new guy coming in. Well, <clears throat> The, the new guy that has come in is an author and, and a speaker that I always, you know, put, turn my ears towards and one that I always enjoy listening to. And his name is Jay Pathak. He is the founding pastor of the Mile High Vineyard in Colorado. And Jay Pathak is the president-elect of Vineyard USA. Yeah. So we want to pray for him. Um, moving a little uh, more local. What's that? You need anything? Okay. Um, we also want to pray for Gene Stothert, our mayor uh, of the city of Omaha, whose husband died on Friday. Uh, and I don't want to dig into any more of the details, but let's be praying for her and, and for our city as we join with her uh, through this, this difficult time, this difficult moment. And then uh, more locally, we want to be praying for Matt and Nikki McMaster, who have been a part of this Vineyard Church for uh, years, about five years ago, or, or maybe a little bit more, they um, felt the call to, to leave and, and go join the Family Room Church here in Omaha. Today, they are being ordained by their congregation to take over, to step in as co-pastors for the Family Room Church. So we want to pray for them too. So join with me as we pray for um, the Vineyard USA and uh, President-elect Jay Pathak. Pray for our Mayor, Gene Stothert. And let's pray for Matt and Nikki McMaster and their family and their church as well. <clears throat> And it, you guys out there in TV land, if you want to um, message us a, um, a prayer that comes to your mind, we'd, we'd love to uh, be willing. To, we, we would love to share that. We would love to share in that. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for... Thank you for the different um, ways that you express yourself in churches in the U.S. and around the world. And that the Vineyard USA is one of them. And Lord, we thank you for Phil, and what's his wife's name? Jan. Phil and Jan Strout, who have um, very pastorally led um, our churches uh, for these past years. And Lord, we pray for Jay, and I think it's Diane Pathak, Lord, who are coming in to fill those shoes, and it, he, as he said in his video, he's excited and he's a little bit terrified, and that's, that is exactly what it's like to follow you. So, Lord, we ask you to just continue to 
move and be at work. And Lord, we pray for uh, your vision, Lord, that the Holy Spirit be um, present and uh, arrest their attention um, so that they would be following you and, and in following you, leading our movement. And uh, we, just, we just thank you and bless that, um, that result, Lord. Lord, we pray for, we lift up Jean Stothard, our mayor, whose husband um, died on Friday. God, you know, you know all the things that are going through her mind that were present with her husband at the time of his death, Lord, and we just ask you to make your presence known this moment, Lord, whether it's through words of knowledge or, or scripture um, or your spirit speaking to her, uh, you know, through your own spirit or through somebody else, Lord, we just ask for, like you have comforted us, we ask you to comfort our mayor. And who knows what, how this is going to impact um, the election that's going to happen where she could be reelected, Lord. We don't know. We're just going to hold it out to you, Lord God. And, and God, we also uh, we thank you for, for your call on Matt and Nikki's lives to follow you and to serve. And Lord, where this has brought them to stepping in as the co-pastors, Lord, we, we bless them and we bless your call and we bless your movement, bless the family room church in North Omaha. Hmm. Strengthen them, Lord, protect them, guide them, and remind them often how much you love them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Uh-oh. Enter the password. Oh, let's just, I don't know. Oh, no. Hi. <clears throat> something, something from my work. Uh, jumped onto my, my screen here. Um, <clears throat> anyways, we don't pass a plate here, so if uh, the Lord has called you to give, we've got a couple of offering boxes here. We also have several online uh, ways to, to give uh, to the church uh, that are um, contact-free. Um, and that would be through our website, omahavineyard.org. There is a PayPal link. I think it's on the homepage. You just scroll down until you find that. Um, so that's via PayPal. There's also our uh, the Church Center app, which has a giving box on it, and it, that works for um, Apple as well as um, Android. I was going to ask, what's the robot one? Uh, so you can uh, connect your debit account or checking account through that. You can also mail us uh, a check to our P.O. box. That was on the TV, but I turned it off. So check, check out our website as well as our Facebook page uh, to find our P.O. box. And um, we thank you for your gifts to the Lord. 
Okay, <clears throat> again, good morning. Uh, thanks uh, for you guys uh, that are tuning in. My name is Saul Cruz, pastor here at Omaha Vineyard Church. We're at 4212 50th Street in the mall. Not, not, I know Google is putting our, our pinpoint between Arby's and First National Bank. Just keep, keep coming in. Keep going, they say. All right, got the peanut gallery in full. They got some juice and some wafer in them, so they're... What? <laughs> Today we are continuing in our series through the book of Luke. And we've got our, our series titled Engaging Risk, where we see this thread through Scripture of the, the life of Jesus and his disciples and others who risk trusting God in ways that lead to miracles and kingdom breakthrough. Um, and really, it's through humble obedience. And that's, that's the only way it happens, right? Because, uh, well, actually, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. So the book of Luke, Luke himself is a person, and he interviewed witnesses to record a careful account. And he says this in, in Luke chapter 1, verses, I think it's like 4. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So that's what we're going to be looking at, is the truth of what we've been taught through the stories of Jesus, the man who walked and talked and, and um, revealed to us the heart of God the Father through his words and his actions. Last week, uh, we saw how important the truth is to Jesus, that um, people who want to follow him should count the cost before they choose to become his disciples. Uh, Luke 14, verse 33, Jesus says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Well, what if you own a lot? Jesus encounters a rich man in Luke chapter 18, and <clears throat> it says this. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And it's interesting that he, his, his question is, what can I do, right? He's a religious leader, so he, he's, he, he understands a framework, he understands formula, because that's what religion is, right? It's, it's, it's what we do. And so this rich leader, religious leader, is asking, what can I do to inherit it? And he comes to Jesus. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus starts with like these, like the, the, the most um, egregious things. He's like, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your mother and father. <clears throat> and the man says, well, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was very young. And when Jesus heard this answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Guys, this is chapter 18. We don't see Jesus say, come follow me, for like 14 chapters. 
This is in the middle. I mean, this is, this is we're, we're almost to Passion Week where, where Jesus ends up on a cross. This is deep in his ministry. And he says to this religious leader, come follow me. Oh. The man became very sad for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now his disciples, or, or they're listening, they have this framework where earthly wealth is a sign of God's favor. And if a man is rich, that means God likes him and has given him those riches. And so they are like, well, then who in the world can be saved? If it's not a rich person, how, how can people like us that are, you know, scratching and, and, and struggling to survive every week, how, how, in the, how can we be saved? And this is what Jesus says. What is impossible for people is possible with God. What is possible, what is impossible with people is possible with God. So today, our, our, our primary verses are, yeah, that was all set up. You're getting lots of verses today. Our primary verses are Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to look at one of those situations where an encounter with Jesus results in kingdom breakthrough. And we see Something occur that what, what seems impossible for people happens because of how good God is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you to come in this time where we have set aside the world to sit at your feet. Lord, we want to receive from you your message. Jesus, you are Lord, you are King. We want to know what you have to say. Lord, may it be your words that we hear this morning. Amen. All right, guys, got your Bibles? Hmm. Well, I have mine. I'll read it. How about that? Jesus, uh, Jesus. Okay, uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his, his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Anybody um, vertically challenged? So, He's, an out, he's, a, he's a problem solver. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Right, we're going to take a break right there and get some, get some context. So Jericho is a Jewish city. It's near Jerusalem. It's the same city that we've heard about in the Old Testament that was first captured by the Israelites after being delivered from slavery in Egypt. Right? We know that song. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a tumbling down. <clears throat> I got this uh, 
from a historian. It says, at the time of Jesus, Jericho was known as an oasis city. In fact, Herod the Great built his winter palace near here because of its warm climate and fresh water springs. The Bible described Jericho as the city of palm trees. So, as a city that catered to the rich and powerful, it would make sense that it would be the home of the chief tax collector. Now, the, the New Testament is, is really, it's interesting. When you hear people talk in, in the New Testament about tax collectors, it's like, tax collectors. They're just disgusting. They hate them. So here, again, here's a little bit I got from my commentary. As a tax collector, Zacchaeus had enriched himself at the expense of his fellow Jews by charging excessive taxes. Collaborating with the Romans, he had worked himself up to a prominent position as chief tax collector. So what's the big deal? We all, we all pay taxes, right? Well, in, in these days, uh, Jerusalem, the, or Israel, was captured. It, it was ruled by the Romans. And so the Romans would set up tax collection booths to collect taxes from the people. And rather than have Romans sit in those booths, they would have their own people sit in those booths. So these Jews would have a brother or a, an uncle or a nephew sitting in this tax booth. And the way that the Romans set it up, is, my understanding is that okay, you've got this, this amount of money that you need to collect from people. And if you want to make up taxes um, or charge more, as long as we get our cut, you can charge as much as you want. And that's what a lot of guys did. They would, they would cheat their fellow Jewish brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and... and take more money than the Romans required in order to make themselves rich. And when you get to be the chief of guys that do that, so <clears throat> Zacchaeus is short in his town. He's probably not well liked. So as he's trying to, you know, see Jesus, people are like, you know, hitting him with their bags and bumping them and swatting at him. <clears throat> He cannot get an advantage to look at Jesus as he's making his way through the town. So he runs ahead. He knows what the route is. So he runs ahead and he climbs up into a tree. And Zacchaeus engages in risking his reputation as a rich, powerful man by climbing a tree in order to just increase his chance to see Jesus. He is seeking. He is searching Regardless of public opinion, Zacchaeus wants not necessarily an audience with Jesus. He just wants to see him. He's heard the stories, and he has hope, or at the very least curiosity at work in him. All right, uh, now verses 5, 6, and 7. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. 
Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. So let's pay attention to the contrasting temperaments of the, all these you know, people recorded by Luke in these verses. So Jesus really seems in a good mood, right? He's like, hey, Zacchaeus, quickly, come down. I'm going to be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus, very clearly, he is in great excitement and joy. And the people are displeased and grumbling. Do you ever find yourself displeased, disgusted, or grumbling over blessings that God has poured on someone? Are the people in Luke 19.7 wrong? No. Zacchaeus is likely exactly how they describe him, a notorious sinner. Why would Jesus spend time with someone like that? Why would he honor a person like that by being their guest among the whole city of, Jer of Jericho? <clears throat> Let's find out if Jesus answers our question. All right, uh, 8 through 10 now. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So Jesus answers the question, why Zacchaeus, in verse 10, where he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. The notorious sinner was lost. Similar to the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears, Zacchaeus' profession of what he will do with his wealth is not a transaction to secure salvation. From one of my um, commentaries, it says this, the criterion for God's dealing with men is not man's merit, but his need. Why did Jesus go and be the guest of Zacchaeus? Because Zacchaeus was lost and his need was great. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus calling him by name and coming to his home is one of discipleship. In, uh, Zacchaeus says yes to Jesus by quickly climbing down from the tree, welcomes him to his home in great excitement and joy. Just like the religious leader in Luke 18, Zacchaeus was very rich. But unlike the religious leader, this tax collector, chief tax collector, 
is willing to give up everything he owns. I mean, he says, I give half of my wealth to the poor. Anybody look at their 401k and, and just draw a line through half of it? Yep, going to the poor. Woo, that's a big commitment. And he says it to Jesus. And then, I, I thought this was interesting, by committing to pay back four times as much to anyone who had cheated by overcharging them on their taxes, Zacchaeus goes far beyond what was required by the law for restitution. Yes, the Old Testament talks about cheating and, and what someone needs to do to make that right. Numbers 5, verses 6 and 7, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they are guilty. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wronged. Zacchaeus says, I give half of my wealth to the poor, and I promise that if I have cheated anyone on their taxes, I will not just pay them an extra 20%. I will give them four times what I cheated them on. Zacchaeus risked all of his wealth to follow Jesus. He chose Jesus and the kingdom of God over the riches of this world. Why? Because Jesus was willing to go to the home of a notorious sinner. Because the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. What may seem impossible among people is possible with God. What is impossible for you? Are there wealth or riches or something else that you value so highly that it would be impossible for you to give it up to follow Jesus? We may need Jesus, who we are wanting to follow, to turn to us and get real with us about the truth of being his disciple. Because honestly, guys, anything that we hold to and we are unwilling to give up for the sake of Jesus and the kingdom of God becomes an idol. Maybe it's riches, maybe it's power. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's fear. And even if you're sitting here today and the idol that influences your thinking and your behavior more than God is staring you right in the face, there is good news. What is impossible for people is, impo is possible for God. I'm going to say that again because I messed it up. What is impossible for people is possible for God. Even though I struggle with my own thoughts and my own behavior, I believe that God is able to do more than I can imagine 
including conquer my tendency to lean into riches, to lean into power, to lean into unforgiveness, and to lean into fear. And again, the beauty of the gospel is that the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. When the rich religious leader came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus' answer was, well, if it's on you, here's all the laws. Obey all those. That rich religious leader wanted a box to check off, right? But it's impossible for us to inherit the kingdom of God on our own. What God made possible was through his doing. Boy, I got really lost there. And now back to our sermon. (laughs) Maybe what is impossible for you is seeing value in the lost. Right? I mean, in these stories, we've got Jesus, we've got got the person that's lost, and then we've got the people. And when we find ourselves saying, yeah, I'm like that, Pharisee. I'm like that religious leader. I'm like the people. Do you find yourself labeling people like the city of Jericho did to Zacchaeus? Do you grumble in displeasure at the thought of God honoring a notorious sinner? You know, maybe you say to yourself, maybe God can love that person, but I can't. The kingdom of God is absolutely counter to our culture, right? Because our get riches, get power, hold grudges, use fear to get what you want, and keep those who are worse sinners than you down. Keep them out of our neighborhood. Keep them out of, keep them out of my school. Keep them out of my government, That is the way of the world. That is the culture of 2021. The king, the son of God, and the son of man. That's one guy. He's the king. Came to seek and to save those who are lost. And that means he spends time with them. He brings the good news that they are forgiven for their sins. And that God, the creator, is God, their father. They are included. They are accepted. They are sought after. And when they, and when the lost say yes to Jesus, salvation comes to their house. And some of them, having counted the cost, give up everything they own to be his disciple. Right now, uh, we are in these weeks uh, leading up to Easter, we're in the season of Lent. 
which is a traditional time of giving something up. Is there something that you recognize in your life that gets in the way of following Jesus? Is it a thing or is it an attitude? Is it how you think and treat others in an unloving manner? I want to encourage you to engage in risk to trust God and put your faith in his great, great love for you. Will your neighbors know that salvation has come to your house like Zacchaeus's did? Is there compensation that you might owe to people like Zacchaeus did? In, in this climate that just doesn't seem to be going away, where... <clears throat> We get on different sides, right? We get an opposition. Um, people say things we don't like, and mm, they're notorious sinners. You know, maybe it's maybe it's the president of the United States. Maybe it's the previous president of the United States. Or maybe it's you know the mayor of New York. Or maybe it's the governor of Texas. Or maybe it's the um, other people on the PTA, or maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your brother, your sister, and you just, you can't, the way that you see them is they are the notorious sinner, and they don't deserve, what they deserve is not God's grace and mercy. Are you God? God's grace and God's mercy and God, and who God is is who God is, and he is love, and he is grace, and he is mercy, and he seeks to save the lost. And he says to us very lovingly and very practically, if you want to be my disciple, you have to give up everything that you own. Are we willing to engage in risk to live like Jesus? Like, like the, the beautiful worship set, right? I want my life to be for you. I want to live my life for you. Let's pray. Lord God, as we see these beautiful stories Help us to help help us to op help mm, open our eyes, would you? Open our eyes to see your goodness all around us, to see your goodness not just to me, but to the lost, to others, to notorious sinners. If we're going to follow you and be your disciple, we need to be like you, Jesus. May we have the incredible peace that you have.
may we have the incredible joy that you have. May we recognize when salvation comes to a house. And Lord, when we are called by name, by the Son of Man, may we, like Zacchaeus, in excitement and joy, hurry to invite you in and give everything we own for you. But what am I going to live on if everything I own is given to God? I'm going to trust God to take care of that. Mm. Heavenly Father, may we, may we find opportunities, may we see, may we recognize opportunities to break your kingdom in, in our conversations and in our relationships. And as we go through our lives and, and go about our business, Lord. If this is you speaking, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Amen. Hmm. All right. So uh, here at the end of our service, we uh, pronounce, I pronounce a blessing over us. We receive the blessing of the Lord. And uh, we take it from uh, Numbers chapter 6. And I edited it a little bit. But here we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. May we walk around today and this week as disciples of Jesus. Amen.